I'm Joe. My mum's name is Aileen, and you're listening to My Mum Missed Marvel. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is a collection of 23 films, which have grossed a combined total of over $22.5 billion at the box office alone. It's the largest film franchise of all time, and has been a big part of my life for the past 11 years. For my mum, not so much. Hello, and welcome to My Mum Missed Marvel, the podcast in which my mum... Hello. And I watch all of the Marvel films. How are you doing, mum? I'm very well, thank you. Joe, the weather's getting a bit warmer, so... It is, it's gorgeous. Yeah. So what's the latest with you? Um, Nothing, just been working away during lockdown, doing a bit of work, doing a bit of house, domestic chore type stuff, and I've started learning quilting. Very exciting. Yeah. Wow. So it's time to relax from yeah. that high octane schedule that you've got and slow down and, and watch a film. That's right. It is Friday afternoon after all. Well, the film that we're going to be watching today, Mum, is mm-hmm. Captain America, yep. semicolon, The First Avenger. What do you, what do you think of this? Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you know of the character? What are you expecting? What's your impression, Mum? Um, well, I've got a wee story about the character. Uh, I bought your dad a T-shirt one Christmas. And I thought it was quite a nice <laughs> design. And we were walking down the road um, in Stoke Newington, where we live, and this little kid who was about three or four went... Captain America, and I thought, is that oh. why? Is that <laughs> is why he has Captain that? America T-shirt, I bought. Because <laughs> I know Dad's Captain America T-shirt. He wears yeah. it quite a lot. I didn't yeah. realise that you didn't know that was Captain know, America Captain when you America bought it for him. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this might be one of our only links in to ah, oh, maybe Mum and Dad do know quite a bit about Marvel. <laughs> we might be in luck, but no, it was a coincidence, was it? <laughs> it was. So thanks to the wee boy who pointed out to me that that was Captain America. Okay, now that I now that I know that, do you know why the child said Captain America when they saw Dad's shirt? Do you know what it is that's on that shirt? Well, it's a kind of a star. It's a kind of a red star in a circle. It is in a circle. Or it's not a star. It's more of a probably a poly, some kind of polygon star. Okay, well, so you thought that was just like a logo or an insignia? Yeah, I did. Am I being very unobservant then? Have I not looked closely at this T-shirt that I? Well, you haven't seen Cap- you haven't seen Captain America, no. Mum. So you might not know what it is. That's is it fair lo- enough. Is it lots of A's? Is it lots of A's actually repeated round the circle? Lots of A's. No, now yeah, you're overthinking things a little bit. Okay. It, it is just the circle, yeah. <laughs> wait, no, hold on. We don't need to wait until the film because you do know about this because you saw it and you noticed it in the. Iron Man in the second that Iron was Man the film. Shield. It's his that's shield. The shield. There you go. That he picked out of his dad's. That's right. Um, that Tony Clark. I was yeah, sure you I, must know what that yeah, is. Yeah, I did. Well, I recognised it, but I thought you were asking me to describe yes. what it was, and that's where I was. Ah, uh, my mistake. Okay. My fault, there, Mum. Right. So, in terms of the character, now that you've bought some merchandise <laughs> from the film, do you know anything else about? Captain America, who he is, what he's up to, what his personality is, uh, maybe? No, I just know he's the first Avenger because it was given away in the, he's yeah, the first Avenger. Given away in the film mm. title. It's very suspicious, Mum, isn't it? Because we would have thought that maybe Iron Man yeah. or the Thor. Yeah. They, they, their films they came did, exactly. That they so that was Avenger. going to be one of my questions. Why is he regarded as the first Avenger? Mm. Well, we'll have to watch the film to find that out, mm. I guess. In terms of this preamble, mm-hmm. this one has made me realise that I may have to slightly readjust how much time I spend talking about the careers of the different actors that are in the film. Because if you thought the other ones were star-studded, this film is ridiculous. Okay. Nearly every single character is played by someone that is you know, a pretty big deal. So we'll get into them in okay. a moment. But first things first, this is directed by Joe Johnston. Have you ever heard of this guy before? We're not talking about Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister's brother, no? No, Joe Johnston. Okay. He's got he's a, he's got a T there in his surname. So I hadn't actually heard of this guy's name before, but he was the director of Jumanji and The oh, Rocketeer, okay. which are two old classics. Mm-hmm. And he also did visual effects on all of the original Star Wars films, the first three, and also on Indiana Jones Raiders okay, of the Lost so Ark. Quite a track so this guy's a pretty yeah, big deal. A yeah, I was kind of surprised that I didn't know yeah, who yeah. he was. Actors, this is Chris Evans in the starring role. Do you know Chris Evans? Um, I'll probably recognise his face, but no. And we're not talking about the radio (laughs) DJ either. We're not, no, separate person. (laughs) So this is the second Chris that we've met in the Marvel Universe. Uh, 
second to Chris yeah. Hemsworth. Chris Evans, he's been in Knives Out. He's been in Snowpiercer recently. Um, he seemed to be doing a lot of different rom-com stuff before he was cast in this. He was in one of my favorite films, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. So he's done some comedy stuff as well. Interestingly, this is not his first appearance as a comic book character and not even his first appearance as a Marvel comic book character. Do you remember the Fantastic Four films that we used to watch when we were growing I remember, up? I remember, I, I remember the name, yeah. don't remember much. Chris Evans was the Human Torch oh, okay. in those. So they're, they're not linked to this universe mm. at all. These were completely different continuity and universe mm. and everything, but this is actually his second yeah. Marvel okay. character that okay. he's played. Um, in fact, Chris Evans was really, really wanted for this role. I've found some interviews in which it seems that Chris Evans actually turned down the role three times before he accepted it because he was worried about the impact on his personal life about getting too big and it was only after a conversation with robert downey jr that he finally accepted the role which is kind of a really lovely captain america type thing <laughs> okay. to do turn it down but the reason that he got turned down three times is because they wanted chris evans specifically so much for this role so they kept on going back and asking him he got paid quite a lot of money for this film and i think this is a good moment to talk about sarah finn who is the casting director for this film and pretty much every other film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Chris Evans, I think, is viewed as one of the best castings. He's just, he is Captain America. And that also goes for things like Robert Downey Jr. just perfectly encapsulates Tony Stark. And in general, I feel like people respect the casting as one of the best things about mm. these films. Nearly every superhero, nearly every character seems to be pitch perfect and they got the right person mm. for it. And Sarah Finn is the person who casted all of these and they stuck with it. And I think a lot of people who have seen these films and like Captain America would agree that it's quite difficult actually to imagine other people playing Captain America now. I think they really, really nailed the casting with Chris Evans. So we'll see if you Yeah, agree it's with easy that. to say that though once somebody's already played the role. But yeah, okay, let me see whether it is it's true. So, joining Chris Evans, and I'm going to have to go a little bit faster yeah. here than we normally do. Okay. You can I, feel free to cut in, cut in and, I'll, I'll and let, let me know. No, no, no. Cut, cut in if you recognize someone or if you're excited <laughs> okay. about someone. But uh, apart from that, I'm going to try to speed through right. a wee bit. So, Hayley Atwell is in this, who's been in The Duchess and Christopher Robin and Cinderella films. I think she even starred in A Black Mirror a little while ago. We have Sebastian Stan, who's in it, who was in The Martian. He was kind of coming up at this point. He was in uh, Black Swan and Gossip Girl for a while. Then we have Richard Armitage, who was Thorin in all of the Hobbit films, the king dwarf mm -hmm. guy. And importantly for us, Mum, he was Guy of Gisborne in the Yay. BBC Robin <laughs> Robin Hood series. You had, did you have a nickname oh, I for him? I can't remember what it was. I quite liked him, though. <laughs> I think I think it was some type of play on that handsome guy yeah. or the handsome guy Hanson Gisborne or something yeah. like that. We have Stanley Tucci, who's been in I think every film that's ever been made. He's been in Spotlight and Lovely Bones and Hunger Games, Devil Wears Prada and Julie and Julia. Um, he was even in The Wind Rises, the Ghibli film. He's been in everything. Oh, I think he's okay. fantastic. Then we have Toby Jones, mm -hmm. who's a bit of a British yep. treasure, yep. I think. He was the voice of Dobby in the in Harry yep. Potter, and he was also one of the main characters in Detectorists, which mm -hmm. I really like. Uh, he was he had that Sherlock episode yeah. a little I while ago. Detectorists, by the way, because you have yeah, good, I, do, I like it? it. I like it. it's kind of quirky and offbeat. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that is good. We can have a chat about <laughs> that off the podcast if you like. <laughs> I'm glad you're watching that. Um, then. I'm going to finish it off with three legends, in my opinion, in ascending order. But all of these three are absolutely amazing people. And before someone starts messaging us, I have left someone off this list, and I am aware of that, and I'll mention it again at the end of the podcast. So this is the final three people. We have Tommy Lee Jones, who's uh, mm -hmm. I, I know him from No Country for Old Men and uh, Men in Black. He was uh, Harvey Dent in the old Batman Forever, the really goofy Batman film a little while ago. He was Two-Face. and we have Hugo Weaving, who's one of my favourite actors of all time, I think. He was Elrond in Lord of the Rings and Agent Smith in The Matrix. And finally, and perhaps most excitingly, the love interest from the film that really started 
uh, Stellan Skarsgård's career really brought it up to the next level. Dominic Cooper, the guy from Mamma Mia, and the sequel Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, <laughs> is in this film. <laughs> so really big names, you know. It's, that's the type of level okay, that we're okay. operating on. So the main thing that I remember about this film is that I, I also haven't seen this one for quite a long time, but I remember this one was very cheesy and very superhero-y, very classically cheesy and superhero-y. But I think it's quite self-aware of that fact, and I think it has quite a lot of fun with it. So I, I remember enjoying this one. So is there anything that you're looking forward to or anything that you expect about this, Mum? Anything that you'd like to see in this? Well, just the stuff I mentioned in our in our very first introduction to this podcast that I, I like I like a good narrative. I like a bit of character development. Um, so um, and if you say that Chris Evans has has completely captured the essence of Captain America, then I'm I'm expecting that I will get the good character this time. I'm now starting to worry that I've built this up too much. This was the opposite of what I was trying to do whilst watching these films with you. Oh, no. <laughs> right, well, we'll see you all on the other side. Okay. Well, let's watch Captain America, the first Avenger. Let's go. Right, so that was Captain America. Mum, we've now finished all of the single superhero films in phase one. We've done all of the build-up. And the only thing that we have left in phase one is the Avengers. What did oh, you think uh, of the final, uh, the final setup film? Oh, I didn't realise that was a final setup film, but um, mm -hmm. no, I enjoyed that one. Do you want my verdict now? Love the verdict, Mum. Okay, and the verdict for Captain America, the fourth film in the series, is if I if I remember that, that that's <laughs> the uh, that's the good outcome. You liked the film, you enjoyed it. I did enjoy that one. Yeah. So great. Okay. Um, what were your general impressions before we get into spoiler territory? Um, not entirely positive. There, there's a couple of negatives, but we'll mm -hmm. come on to that later. Uh, and what I'm quite surprised about in some way is how they are all so rooted in a particular time uh, in real mm. life, not in superhero land, but um, how it brings in kind of contemporary um, political uh, references and sets it in a sets the action in a specific time period. Okay. I don't I don't know that I had been particularly expecting that. Yeah, it comes a little bit out of left field. I think once you've been once you've kind of gotten used to Iron Man being in modern day, and then you know Thor's obviously in this crazy world, but he comes into modern day, yeah. uh, so it's clearly happening at the same time. I think you get used to them kind of going chronologically. Uh huh. Yeah. So this one this one is set during World War Two when. Mm -hmm. United, when the United States joined the war, are you uh, are you jumping into your summary? Oh, am I not supposed to be jumping into my summary? No, no, that's yet. fine. That's fine. We'll <laughs> just. Uh, I think we'll say that if you are not planning to watch this film, then this is a summary of everything that's going on. If you are planning to watch the film, then probably pause the podcast now and go and have a watch of it now. Mum says that it is worth watching, so you can do that. And here is going to be the summary for those of you who don't have time to rewatch this film or just aren't particularly interested in Captain America. Off you go, Mum. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me right there, Joe. <laughs> so, set during World War II, when the United States joins the war, Mm -hmm. The main protagonist is a young man called Steve. I've forgotten his surname. Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, um, mm -hmm. who is desperate to join up, but is not accepted into the army because he's too weedy, basically. <laughs> In fact, he's so weedy that he keeps on getting um, bullied and beaten up. And mm -hmm. uh, he, But he's also very determined because there's an early line where he, he turns around to the bully who's just been punching him around the face and he says, I can take this all day. I could do this all day. Yeah. I could do this all day. That's right. a pretty uh, classic Captain America line. I think is you've, it? you've um, I mean, I don't know if they've used it before, but for this, that's what a lot of people know that he says. Yeah, that's, that sums him up quite well. Okay. Okay. So, although he's small, he's determined, and his determination <laughs> does finally pay off because eventually he does. He keeps he keeps trying to enlist, and eventually he does get um, taken in because he was spotted by a scientist called. Dr. Erskine, is that right? Uh, we should we should point out that Mum has typed up her notes 
for this episode, which is why she's much more informed than I am at the moment. It's also been a couple of days since we've seen the film. I can't remember the guy's name, but I'll take your word that it was Erskine. Okay, so that's maybe not significant then. He, that character has been and gone then. But Well, he was pretty significant in that he turned Steve Rogers into Captain America. Spoilers for your summary oh, that's coming spoilers. up. Thanks very much, Joe. Um, <laughs> basically, Dr. Erskine spots potential in him, not just in mm-hmm. um, physical in the physical sense, but he sees the determination and the sense of fair play, the fact that he doesn't like bullies, his intelligence and mm-hmm. his his boldness, you know, or, or foolhardiness, one might say, um, when, when he watches him on uh, various training exercises and things. Mm-hmm. So basically, he obviously spots in the weedy Steve Rogers the makings of a superhero. Yeah. So... Erskine has been working on this serum. Yep, the super soldier serum. Super soldier serum, is that what it's mm-hmm. called? Okay. So basically, Steve ends up taking the serum and this is how Captain America makes yes. his appearance. Howard, oh, we also know we're in the past because Howard Stark um, is one of the characters in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, Which Iron is Man's Tony father. Stark's dad. Tony yep, Stark's very dad. nice. Uh, and he's because he's a he's a super inventor. You know, he's working at the cutting edge of inventions and engineering and all this, all for the war effort, of course. At this stage, the enemy is in the form of Schmidt, somebody called Schmidt, mm-hmm. who I think had an earlier version of the serum from Doctor Erskine at some point. Yes. Yeah. So Dr. Erskine had been working on the serum for a while, hadn't finished it, and Schmidt, played by Hugo Weaving, forces him, Erskine, to give him the serum. Uh, It's not finished, and he turns into a classic Captain America villain, Red Skull. So he gets all of the super strength and everything, but he has this big deformity where his entire head becomes, you know, bright red, and it looks like a skull, and he looks very odd. Schmidt heads up this, this body called the Hydra. Yep, Hydra. Hydra. And the Hydra are really evil. They have got this. Uh, they have got this double um, Heil Hitler salute. So they're even. They're, they're twice as evil as the Nazis. Twice as evil as the Nazis. That, yeah, that is the evil. Idea. That is evil. So there's a lot. There's a lot of action and fighting and explosions and stuff. And that's where some of my reservations come in. Anyway. Okay. We'll go into that later. The love interest is provided by the female officer. Called mm-hmm. Peggy. She's Peggy British. Carter. Yeah. Uh huh. Played by Haley Atwell. Is that mm-hmm. what you called her? Yeah. Okay. You have typed up your notes. I have typed up. I decided I had to get better organised. So rather than just leaving my reflections as the scribbled notes that I take while I'm watching the film, I'm tightening them up afterwards to help me organise my thoughts as well. So it's showing. I think our fans deserve it. You need to see we're being <laughs> professional here, Joe. There you go. You're in good hands, fans. <laughs> You're being taken care of. So it's the Americans and their part in the war. I suppose Peggy's kind of been the British element there as well as the, as well as being the love action. I think she's in charge of their research department or something like that. Okay, is that she works with, she works with Howard Stark and he's in research. So she's in charge of some department research or espionage or something like that. Okay, doke. The film as a whole, there's lots of action, lots of fighting. The ending does move the story arc on a bit. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense now that you say if that's the final one of the setup, because it does actually end with the the phrase, Captain America will return in the Avengers. Yes, it does. Like like the Thor film in the credits. So, so, yeah, I I can see the scene is all set now. The film as a whole is, to use your words, Joe, a wee bit cheesy. It's wildly cheesy, yeah. But charmingly so. I think it. I think yeah, it works. Yeah, it's got a lot. It feels like it's got a lot of heart. This film. Yeah, it's it's funny and it's fun and yeah, it's got a lot of heart. So yes. So given that description, then no surprise that my overall verdict was a hit. Great, lovely. And just for those of you who are skipping this one and would like to just be generally caught up, just to fill in a couple of those holes, I think that was a really nice sum up for their mum. The Red Skull, the bad guy. The whole way through, he's working to get, well, at the very beginning, actually, he gets this energy source, which seems to have some links to Asgard. He refers to it as like the power of the gods every now and then. So he gets this energy source and he's using that to create 
very powerful weapons for his allies. At the end of the film, he grabs this energy source and he seems to disappear. He kind of gets burnt up by it, as in the power is too much for one man to control. So that uh, seems to disappear and the energy source falls out of the ship. So that's something that uh, is now just somewhere in the world. And I think in the end of the film, maybe before the end credit scene, Howard Stark finds it with a little drone. So they have this energy source. And it's actually the same one that you saw at the end credit scene of Thor. So that's kind of linking that up back there. Ah. Mm -hmm. It's like the glowing blue cube. Steve also has a buddy in the film called Bucky, who sadly dies. And that's part of why he's feeling sad in the future. He also, um, he has this love interest, Peggy Carter, who he was going to have a dance with. And they have this running motif of when he's bringing this ship down to crash it into the ice so that it doesn't blow up New York City at the very end after Red Skull has been taken care of. They have this back and forth, save the dance for me, things like that. And then he crashes into the ice. He's frozen for 70 years, I think. And he comes back out of the ice in present day when the rest of the Avengers are knocking around. So essentially everyone he knows has now died. Essentially, he doesn't really have any of these connections anymore. And it's kind of left on a bit of a sad, poignant bit where he says, oh, I had a date. So quite a tragic end to this first film for Captain America. I think he's really been through a lot so far. Indeed. Lots of things to talk about with this one, I actually have. What would uh, what stuck out to you the most then, Mum? Well, the, the biggest surprise was how they then brought it um, up to date, how the, how the time leap was going to be yes. made because clearly you know captain america emerged in the generation of howard stark but the avengers we've got to get captain america into um you know tony stark's yes uh, yeah. time so That's i a good way to put it, Mom. as i was wondering how this was going to be done i was thinking maybe there was something about the serum that had a kind of rejuvenation quality side effect or something and i can see why you thought that because there's that point in the film where bucky has just fallen off the train and died and cap is trying to get drunk and he says that one of the unintended effects of the formula is that he can no longer get drunk because his cells are constantly rejuvenating themselves so i can see why you would have thought that maybe he wasn't going to age yeah but actually the way it's done the way it's done is quite good although because what happens basically is he wakes up in a hospital bed Or apparently in a hospital bed, and there's a baseball game on the radio. Yeah, one of my favourite scenes from the film, I think. Actually, yeah, it is, it is good, and you see him, and you can see that he's wondering what's going on and where he is and what's happened, and he keeps looking over the, the radio. Yeah, yeah, he looks confused, but you're not sure why. That's right. Because what happened before that, anyway? Was he? I mean, I was trying to work out what had happened immediately before that that he ended up in the hospital. Was he confused about that? So the the way that he moves from being in war times to being in modern times and i think this is also how they've done it most of the time in the comics is that he gets frozen so he probably gets frozen in different ways in this one he drives the plane down and it crashes into the ice and he gets frozen for 70 years and the very first scene of the film is actually them finding him it only shows them finding the shield to not give away the twist for those who haven't seen it before but that's them finding him that's the ship that they've found and he's been frozen there Oh, um, bloody hell. Of course it is. I'm sorry that yeah. hadn't clicked in my no, head. But, I mean, scene. this was the thing. Whilst watching it back with you, I, I can't actually remember a, a little bit of backstory about this. This was a film which I hadn't actually seen before seeing The Avengers for the first time. So I didn't see this one in cinemas. And I don't know whether Thor is in the same boat as that. I can't remember for Thor, but I definitely remember that I hadn't seen this before seeing Avengers. And the first time I saw this film was a little while afterwards after enjoying The Avengers so much. And one of the things that I remember from the Avengers, no spoilers for it, is that I wasn't fully on board with Captain America. I thought he was fine, but I didn't think he was particularly interesting. And it was going back and re-watching this one that made me really like the character. And I yeah. do really enjoy Captain America as a character now. I also think this is a great film to introduce the character. So I, going into it, already knew that he'd been frozen because they talk about it a decent amount in the Avengers. It's it's brought up before. So I'm not sure what watching this film for the first time not knowing that would have been like. Because you see mm. that the shield is there frozen. Mm. But I'm wondering now, 
may, maybe that was something they were trying to leave as a question. Even though they did it in the comics, they might have been changing it. And then there's also yeah. a decent amount of people who might not have known that that's what happens in the comics. I don't even remember if I did before. Well, I this. definitely didn't, because that was going to be one of my questions later on. I've got these questions that are kind of help, you know, bits that I haven't tied up yet. And that was going to be That's one. What, 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 what was that first scene then? I hadn't yes. realised that that, and so that was why it was that was why it was snowy and it was a, it was frozen basically. I, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Because otherwise, you're thinking he could just have ended up in the hospital bed because the plane had crashed and. And he'd, hmm. you know, been in a coma for 70 years. Yes. Well, I think that's what they're trying to play off to yeah. Captain America is that it's still his time and he's just yeah, been yeah. in a coma for a little bit and they're trying to ease yeah. him back into it a bit. Yeah. Then you've got that wonderful that wonderful moment where he says the ball game was from 1942. Yeah. I know because I was there and the whole yeah. scene just twists around. <laughs> and I, I absolutely am a huge sucker for those types of moments. Yeah. The bit where you just go, Oh, everything's changed. <laughs> like, nearly all of my favorite films are just chock full of those moments. Yeah. And when I realized that point, I really realized how much of a sucker I am for those. Uh, yeah, and I think them. they do this one very, very well because you think, don't really know what's going on. No. And you, they do it doubly well, I think because then is it the nurse or uh, army female, army officer who who has gone into the room in that scene in that scene i, I think it's probably a secret agent dressed up as a nurse yeah, yeah probably but she's dressed up as a nurse but the point is at that point she takes out some little device yeah a weird little device. so it's like oh is she a baddie is she and then armed people come in, yeah uh -huh. you can't really so, see the armed people that much so you don't immediately no. get that he's in present day but then he crashes through the wall oh, it's, it's very well done it's very well done and then he ends up out in times square um, mm -hmm. or something then yeah so the secret shield base is right next to Times square i suppose yeah that's what they're saying <laughs> that's right but a very interesting twist and a good way to get them i guess maybe not a twist but a very interesting um yeah. way to introduce him into modern day and yes. I, I think they uh they handled that quite well i think they did handle it well especially now that i realized that was what the first scene was about and yes. i also didn't know that the comics had him frozen as part of it so that's neatly worked into the narrative i'm pretty sure it is yeah i, I should no, I'm probably have right. checked that, but I, i'm pretty sure that's how he normally gets to the to the yeah. future to the present sounds right joe sounds mm -hmm. right very good okay that, that that's that's one of my help questions dealt with lovely now as well. <laughs> One of the other things that I think may have may used to have been on that list was something that we talked a little bit about during your summary, the tiny Chris and big Chris yep, uh, yep. situation. Yeah. Um, so this is something that's very interesting, I think. When we were watching it, mum doesn't really know Chris Evans. She hasn't um, seen things with Chris Evans in, as we talked about in the intro. So when Chris Evans came on screen, her first reaction wasn't, oh, what's going on here? Is there CGI? Is something happening? Her first reaction was, oh, he's very small to be the lead in a big action film. Um, and so throughout those scenes, he does look kind of odd because he's super weedy and then he gets the super soldier serum and he becomes big, beefy Chris Evans, mm. who we all know and love. And I think it's kind of noticeable if you know what you're looking for, that they've done some CGI camera trickery. But at the same time, I'm thinking maybe that's just because I'm so used to Chris Evans being a big guy. Maybe yeah. if I didn't know who he was, it wouldn't be very noticeable. His head, his head looked too big. His head looked out of proportion. Yeah. It, it does look a bit odd. What they've actually done is, so they have a body double. Well, not a body double, a guy who looks, a body that's completely different to Chris Evans. Mm -hmm. And they essentially filmed every scene in which Tiny Chris is with other characters, like four different times. Right. They filmed it with Chris in the role. So that oh, they could okay. get his facial performance. They filmed it with nothing there where Chris is so that they could get like a background that they can put the other uh -huh. images on top of. They filmed it with the body double so they could cut out the body and uh, put Chris's head on top of it. And I think, yeah. I think they filmed it one more time with like a guy who was just holding a thing where they should be looking or something like that. Um, but they, they filmed it multiple times essentially and yeah. they just put them all together in post. So the in, every scene in which he's tiny Chris was a, mm. a big hassle for a lot of uh, CGI yeah, yeah. people to do, I think. But I think it comes together quite well. I thought that was quite good, actually. I, I'm surprised yeah. I hadn't, I'm surprised I hadn't heard about that as an effect, actually, even if I hadn't seen the Marvel films. Uh, it's kind of like one of those things where you would think people would be talking about it. I think they probably did at the time. Yeah, I know. So I, that's even more extraordinary that I hadn't picked up on it. Yeah. Hmm. 
because like well, even I mean, if- this is the this is the idea of the podcast the whole thing that this was massive and as far yeah. as i could see it was largely <laughs> passing you by because yes. <laughs> i mean there are definite things later on in the series mm. in the mcu in which mm. i know for a fact that those were like cgi things that people were talking about a lot how they managed to do some of this stuff and i imagine when we get there you'll also not have heard of those conversations so yeah. i think they were probably also having these around captain america i just wasn't as in the loop myself back at the time okay. so i'm not sure uh, there may be some things that passed you by as well that strikes mm-hmm. me um maybe they didn't of course because you're a very well, well, yeah, well, well read and well watched well watched young man <laughs> um but it was a i mean it was a second world war film we've spoken about that and and yep. it very much had the feel of an old-fashioned war movie it really did i think yeah. they capture it really nicely so you know things like where eagles dare or the dirty dozen mm. where they go behind enemy lines and all that. Yep. It was it was very much kind of in that genre. They have all of the war posters in the pre-credits section when they're doing all of the actors' names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was another one. There's another old war film called A Matter of Life and Death. Okay. Do you know that one? I don't know. With David Niven. And it's basically, I'm sure this is a deliberate reference, it basically has a scene where there's a, a young woman in the control tower talking to David Niven, who's the pilot, whose plane is about to crash. Oh, right, 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 okay. And there's a, and it was very reminiscent of hmm. that scene between That's nice. so maybe Peggy a homage, and Steve. Yeah. yeah, I think there was a wee homage there. Also, I was wondering, although I think I'm possibly getting to the stage where I'm reading too much into things now, <laughs> um, that Peggy was British, and during this conversation where she's talking to Steve, um, as he's flying the plane. Is it a plane or whatever it is? It's like a weird Hydra plane. Yeah. It's it's very ahead of its time, clearly. It it looks like a stealth bomber from modern day, more than a 1940s plane. Yeah, it does. Anyway, at one point she says, we can work it out. Mm -hmm. Does that mean anything to you as a reference? I don't think so. I may (laughs) recognise it after you point something out, but nothing's coming to mind. Well, I just wondered whether it was supposed to be a kind of American nod to Britishness and the quintessential British band, the Beatles, because they had a song called We Can Work It Out. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I mean, I my gut instinct is that you might be reaching a little bit with that one, but at the same time, maybe you're going to be coming up with all of these new theories that no one else has come up with about the Marvel films, Mum. You're seeing it through this new lens. Maybe it was a reference to the Beatles. I, pro- I think it probably wasn't. I think I'm probably going a step too far there, but I'm pretty damn sure that A Matter of Life and Death was a, okay. was a deliberate parallel. No, oh, that's good. No, here we yeah. are. We're both learning things here. Yeah. So, talking about Peggy Carter... One mm-hmm. of the interesting viewpoints that we've been, or angles that we've been looking at these films through is the feminist angle and mm-hmm. the fact that the films in general have been pretty lacking so far. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this one does uh, one of the similar missteps and it doesn't have more than one real female character. So instead of asking yeah. you whether you think it's gotten better in general, I have to ask, how do you think they did with this single female character that they had in this time? Can you compare her to the other ones yeah and well it starts off well because she takes you by surprise and she punches the guy in the face for um you know insubordination yeah, in the ranks yeah. they make it a bit sappy towards the end you know they're kind of oh she can't control her emotions you know she gets all emotional which i think was a bit of a cop out she could still have um they could still have had that, that tender moment yeah they could still yeah. have had that tender moment without She's kind of almost stepped out of the character that she'd built up at that point. I think I can see that. Yeah. yeah. She could have been she could have been a stronger character in that moment. There could have been something. But the the biggest giveaway actually was the other female characters that were mm-hmm. there, particularly the woman who you recognised the actress. Yeah, I thought it was odd. There were three relatively famous actors who were just in very, very tiny roles. Mm. There was um Jenna Coleman. Yeah. And the lady, I don't know her name, but she was in Plebs. She was the love interest in Plebs, a BBC TV show. They were the kind of double date girls at the beginning, which Bucky had arranged for Steve before he becomes Mm -hmm. Big Steve. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the early S.H.I.E.L.D. offices or the military offices, Natalie Dormer, she hands Tommy Lee Jones a file. And then in the next scene, she kind of seduces Steve 
Peggy catches them and then she isn't in the film anymore. And it's just a bit odd because, I mean, Natalie Dormer got really big from Game of Thrones. Jenna Coleman was in one of the longest running companions in Doctor Who. And they none of them were really characters. They were people yeah. who were there for like a scene at tops. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Natalie one, the one who kind of seduces them. I mean, that was just a rubbish scene, I thought. It was... Yeah, it was, it, it was it was a rubbish scene mm. anyway that she comes around the corner and catches them. You know, oh, that's a bit of a cliche, a bit hackneyed. Yeah. You know, wasn't that? And also it, that it kind of reinforced this. She she's she's uh, says a line at some point, something about oh, you lovely big butch man, and it's like yeah, so you know, gorgeous females only go for lovely big butch men. You know, I just thought it was well, very cliched. and I think that's one of the things that they did a little bit better in this one. And again, it still has the problems of, you know, e- even if we're arguing that this is a slightly better female character, it's only got the one. Mm. But I think it did a pretty decent job of showing that they had a connection before he had the procedure done, when they're in uh-huh. the taxi going towards it. They're kind of connecting a little bit there. He's got the thing where he can't speak to women, he, he mentions in that. Mm-hmm. taxi ride but he speaks to her quite well so it's kind of showing that they're starting to become more comfortable around each other maybe i think they did a better job of setting this up as a believable love plot yes they, than did, they have definitely. Done in either of the previous films she yes, definitely feels like more of a character yeah than i mean she feels like more of a character than pepper potts who's had oh, two gosh, films yes hugely hugely yeah and she actually she she goes on to have a tv show called agent carter oh Oh, which it? I think ran for maybe three seasons, oh, okay. which stars Hayley Atwell and Dominic Cooper comes back as Howard Stark. And it's kind of, I, I think it focuses a lot more on how difficult it is for her being a female agent in this man's mm. world. Mm. So it definitely delves into that a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do loads mm-hmm. in the initial film, I think, but that's something that they had in mind with that character, yeah. I think. Uh, no, they definitely done a better job of it. It's a more rounded um, female character. Yeah. Just a few just a few slips. But the 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 other the other minor female character, that was just a total cliche caricature, you know. I mean she was there, she had the three lines. She was there yeah. to cause a manufactured moment of yeah. tension between yeah. Peggy and Steve. Yeah. It could have been done a bit more cleverly though. A bit a bit more yes. Yeah, subtly. It was a bit lazy in a way. I think this film, in a kind of related way, does quite a nice job of showing the kind of male bonds that people have. Yeah. Like his friendship with Bucky, I think, is yeah. quite nice. That is quite nice. Um, is Bucky definitely dead? Interesting. Well, he falls off a train into a ravine. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I think it's quite a nice... It, it was quite a nice moment when Steve rescues him and Bucky at this point has not seen Steve as Captain America. Well, maybe he has Maybe he has on like propaganda stuff and everything, but he hasn't seen Steve in oh, the flesh. Yeah. And I think that's quite an interesting dynamic that they could have looked at a little bit more. The whole, yeah. our whole lives, I was the big guy, and uh-huh. you were like my weedy friend. Yeah. Now you're the strongest guy in the world. You're yeah. Captain America. You're way better than any other man could possibly be. I think that's quite an interesting dynamic. Because- I would have quite liked to see them do some stuff with. Maybe like if Bucky was. A little bit more insecure about himself afterwards, or well, he was, maybe had like it, a bit of resentment for Steve. It did, it did come out, didn't you? But I picked up on resentment from him at a couple of points actually. One was around the women. He makes a couple of jokes. Yeah. Um, there's the bit where Agent Carter walks into the pub in the dress, and you know everyone's like, "Oh wow, a woman's walked into the pub," uh-huh. and Bucky is trying to flirt with her. Yeah. And she's ignoring him, and when she leaves. He makes the joke like, I'm invisible, but it, yeah. it all seems to be in quite good humour. He seems to be taking it uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. on the chin. He, he isn't really that worried about it. He's just kind of making some jokes and everything seems fine between him and Steve. And I think they have a really nice chemistry. Yeah. I think that, I don't know, just that moment of their dynamic completely flipping, I feel like yeah. they maybe could have looked into a little bit more. Mm. Our point was made, though. Yes. Did Captain America first appear in the Marvel comics? during wartime, was he quite deliberately a kind of propaganda figure for the United States? Yes. So I had to look this up, but he was originally, he was first made in 1941. So he was a symbol of America during the war. That was kind of his role. He has, as time has gone on, just been a staple member of the Avengers. Uh And there was a point, I think there was a little while where he wasn't particularly big. And then I think Stanley and maybe Jack Kirby, they had a run of Captain America, which reintroduced him as a big main player in the Avengers again. And 
at some point they must have transitioned and had that moment where his backstory became that he was from this time and then he got right. frozen so that he could actually be in the publications in the 90s and ah, the okay. noughties and all of that. Yeah, but it's quite interesting because if that's the case and at the time he was probably being used seriously or semi-seriously anyway as a kind of I propaganda so, yeah. tool, whereas yeah. in the film they're kind of taking a pop at the jingoism and, you know, when he's doing yes. his tours around the troops and all his That's, cheesy... I think, the actual best scene of the film. The, <laughs> propaganda, the propaganda tour where he's doing this ridiculous stage yeah. play to sell bonds and yeah. uh, raise money for the war. And it's got the chorus girls and it's oh, yeah. got the guy dressed up as Hitler, which he sucks in the face. And he, <laughs> it's just a crazy stage punch, which is miles away from him. And I think it's really nice showing him kind of gain the confidence over time. Because it, it, that's kind of more than anything, his transition from small Steve Rogers into big Steve Rogers. And it's mm. him gaining the confidence of his new body and his new role mm. in the world. And I, I absolutely love that scene. I think it's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, He's got all of the lines on the back of his shields. It's, it's yeah. just, yeah. <laughs> That's quite that, that was kind of what I was referencing when I said before we watched the film that I think this film knows what it is, knows how cheesy it is, and has fun with it. But yes, it's it's very it's very well handled. It's um it doesn't it doesn't go too far overboard on the cheese, where it just kind of you know would put you off. It hits quite a quite a good mark. I think personally, I think it does go too far on the cheese, and I think that's why I like it so much. <laughs> but th this might be the because you were mentioning the action scenes, you weren't a, as huge a fan of. There's a, this whole section that's got lots of fighting. And they often do the action in kind of montages when they're going around clearing out the Hydra bases and stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you've seen one cylinder explode in the Hydra base, they're all going to explode in the same way. You know what but, I what I loved about it was that <laughs> it was it was really samey, and I think there were like maybe five separate shots over the course of the film in which Captain America is jumping away from an explosion, and it goes into slow motion, and it's so ridiculous. There's like slow motion him jumping and punching people. They have something that I think becomes a little bit of a running joke is the his shield. Um, he's yeah. throwing and bouncing it and doing these insane ricochet <laughs> shots that don't make any sense. And, you know, he's, he's chucking people off tanks. They had that tank that was massive. I don't think I noticed this the first time I watched it, but there's a bit in the montage where he rips off the top of a tank. He throws a guy out, a guy like slow motion throws up a bag of grenades. He puts them in the tank and he jumps off and the tank is huge. It's like the size of the houses going by. It's way bigger than any normal <laughs> tank would be. And then it explodes massively whilst he's jumping away from it. I think that is kind of it also, you know, it, that's in the same vein as the, you know, message of the film, like the good v evil cheesiness. Mm. It, it takes itself so far. And by doing these action scenes in montages, I think it kind of links the action sort of to be like the propaganda scene because they're both done through montages where they're going around lots of different places. Mm, and I think it's kind of pointing at how ridiculous that action looks and saying, this is sort of in the same vein as the propaganda, but this is what films do instead. So oh, whilst we're all being ridiculous, <laughs> well, I, I think so. But at the same time, they didn't do all of these action scenes. They didn't actually spend, you know, mm. that much of the film doing it. No. That's some of the main action. The only real action scenes are the bit where he first gets the serum injected and he's chasing Guy of Gisborne around. Mm -hmm. The bit where he goes to break out Bucky and the Howling yep. Commandos, I think they're called his his group. Yeah, and then the final section which is a bit longer where he breaks into red skull's ship and yeah. everything yeah. um outside of that all of the action i think is pretty much relegated to a montage yeah and i, I don't know I, I think that they're trying to draw a connection between the propaganda of this war stuff which we all laugh at and this ridiculous over the top jumping away from fire oh, explosions okay. action. well that went way over my head i I to be honest, this may be the section of the episode where I'm reaching a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, can I tell you some of the other MCU connections or references that are spotted in the film? Yeah, you were you were you were spotting loads of these, man. You're getting <laughs> you're getting. I think by the time we finish with this, you're going to be more of an expert on Marvel than no, I. No, I've only got three. I've only got three. One was um, we mentioned the Idrisil tree. Yeah. Right at the start, that's so that's the mm -hmm. Thor reference, isn't it? That's the world tree. That's actual Norse mythology again. That's yeah. You know, 
meant to be the thing that all of the nine realms have sprouted from. Uh-huh. I think it kind of links them all together as well. Yep, so that one came up early on. Then the well, actually, their double date was actually at the Stark Industries World Exhibition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it had like a Stark loader at the top and then yeah. Dominic Cooper comes down, Howard Stark comes down, and he, he's giving the whole speech and everything about the levitating car and how he's a few years away and stuff. And it becomes yeah. a bit more obvious then, but we did notice it during the lead up to that when it just had mm-hmm. the Stark logo. Uh-huh. And it had, the, it had the same golden globe fountain yes. structure thing, yes. which Iron Man flies through and blows up the drones in Iron Man 2 in. Yeah, so that was quite nice. Mm-hmm. And then at the end... There's Loki appeared in the. I'm sure Loki appeared yes. in the final credits. So we should talk in the. Um, we should talk about the final credits scene. Yeah. This is a great segue, man. Well done. <laughs> um, so the final credits scene. I th- I think it's hilarious. It's literally just a trailer for the Avengers. And I know that yeah. you could call lots of different things. You know, you you could call this film a trailer for the Avengers, or you can call you know iron man 2 or any of these ones that are trying to make the connections more apparent and stuff trailers for the avengers this film actually ends with a literal trailer for the avengers that has like the trailer montage stuff going on and everything so it's there's all of these different scenes so this is very much the end of the setup yeah the avengers then are iron man right who who if we kind of say that's the kind of contemporary thor okay thor from another realm Mm -hmm. completely yep but can travel into present day well at the end of his film apparently he couldn't no mom, so i can't well, we've got that. to get that sorted out somebody will come and fix yep, the bridge that's all right somebody <laughs> will fix the bridge they'll get a bridge Hopefully. fixing man in um and then captain america from a different time but we know how he gets America's there now. so that's three how many avengers are there so there are three more you have seen all of them at some point oh, uh, okay. you, well there's one that you oh. haven't seen in the mcu but that you know of it's the film that we skipped Okay, so Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk is one of them. Uh, the one, the other Road, Rhodes, is he one then? Does, no. Oh, good guess, no? good guess, but no, oh, okay. uh, not in, not in this, uh, not in this first one. No, oh, the woman, not one of the it's um, the Black Widow or whatever she's called. Black Widow, yeah, there yeah. you go, played by Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Um, Black Widow is one of them, and then we very briefly saw the last one, and I wouldn't blame you at all for having forgotten. What it was film? the guy with the bow from. Ah, okay. Yeah, you did mention at the time because he was a big actor, and just to have that little bit part is probably Jeremy Renner. Yeah. So, what is he? What's his character then? Well, I guess we'll find out during um, during the Avengers. He does have a name. (laughs) I don't actually know if his name is mentioned. I, I think that's a bit of a running theme. Several of their names don't really seem to be mentioned. I don't. No one's called Black Widow. Black Widow yet. No, I don't think. Although that is definitely her superhero name. No one's explicitly called Rhodey. War Machine yet, although that's also his name. War Machine. I think they've left okay. they've left some of the goofier ones out. I think like Iron Man, you have to have. Thor is just his actual name. Captain America, they build it in with the propaganda and stuff. Uh-huh. But the ones who have slightly goofier names, and it's not super important for them to have a superhero name. I don't think they've actually mentioned quite a few of them. I mean, a lot of the villains as well. The first villain, the the Iron Man villain, Obadiah Stane. His name is Warmonger or Ironmonger or something like that. And oh. there's like a line that references it, but no one calls him that throughout the film. Right. But in Iron Man 2, the guy played by Mickey Rourke yeah. is called Whiplash because he's got those big whips. Oh. And no one says, oh, watch out, Iron Man, Whiplash is coming yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. They, they, they have cut out several of the names. It so the villains come back as well as the Avengers then? So one of the things that we saw during the trailer you saw at least, was that Loki was there, yeah. which was a little bit of a surprise. You thought it might be flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I, I haven't been trying to set up. They they don't just, uh, it, it's not just the same villains from every single one of these films coming back as well. But some of the villains um, reappear. Perhaps. Okay. It, it certainly seems like at least one of them is there from the trailer that we've seen so far. So our next film then, what's the next film? The Avengers. We're all we're done with the build-up. We're right. going straight into the Avengers. We've seen the trailer, uh, which is something we haven't done for any of these other ones. And the next film we're going to watch is the end of Phase One. You see, this is uh, what all of these films have been building up to. Very good. How many phases are there? You see, I'm learning that even. So there are three phases. Okay. And they each end with an Avengers film. Ah, uh, so okay. So it, it's all kind of so build up to Avengers. Right. So this is the first one where they all come together for the first time, and then in Phase Two. I think I think they can generally be characterized by getting 
a little bit zanier as they go. So phase two starts introducing some different stuff that we haven't seen. Then phase three really starts introducing some different stuff that we haven't seen as the stakes and the pace kind of ramps up as, as it goes. So, so far, this has been relatively slow. Each character's had their own stuff going on. Nothing's really been that connected. There's been people mentioning other people and there's shield throughout them all, but they've largely been taking their time doing origin stories for these big characters. And this is the first film where everything really comes together. And I think this this kind of sets the tone for a decent amount of the big films, which are to come later on. Okay. So Yeah. So we can get more into Avengers next time. Okay. I'm excited about this, the end of the first little section uh-huh. of the podcast. Uh-huh. And until then, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so by sending us an email to my mum missed marvel at gmail.com or you can follow us on twitter at mum missed marvel no it's not and yes it is sorry i think Joel. it is <laughs> <laughs> no you, you got it on the first try mum nice it's, um, oh God. Do, remember, <laughs> do remember that if you're going to be tweeting at us mum's going to be having a look at those so you can you can tweet at her things to whet her appetite as it were but mm-hmm. please don't tweet her things that are going to happen coming up <laughs> so that's another another recommendation mm-hmm. we've we're on a 75 percent recommendation rate Not so bad. far higher than i thought it would be yep. as well yep. mom would you like to sign us off with our catchphrase you must be bloody joking <laughs> <laughs> you have been listening to my mum missed marvel Created by and starring Joe Walker and Aileen Walker. Edited by Joe Walker. Music by Kevin Chute. And graphics by Alex Carby. So there's Hugo Weaving. No, no don't, I don't recognise his name at all. You don't recognise Hugo no. Weaving? He's Elrond. <laughs> You know the bit in the first one when they're having the flashback to when the old battle for Middle-earth happened and they've got the old human king and he's the old elven king and he's telling him to throw it into the fire and he's got that great line where he goes, I'm going to move back from the mic a bit. He goes, it's your door! And it's like one of the best lines of the whole, <laughs> the whole film. Um, I've seen that film, but Nope, that doesn't ring any bells. <laughs> that's that's honestly one of my favourite bits from the okay. film. <laughs> it's just him shouting a <laughs> Right.